Hey, guys. Huh. Check this out. Hello and welcome to Check This Out, a podcast where we take an analytical view of the media that appeals to us as individuals and why. I am Elle, your host, and with me today is special guest and arch nemesis of the show, Jeremy. I love being the arch nemesis of the show. Hello. If you would, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself, as if people haven't heard it before. Yes. Uh, My name is Jeremy Thomas. Um... I am a head editor for for foralmania.com. I am a film, horror, uh comics, uh TV, just general pop culture enthusiast. Um and yeah, I like to write about it a lot. And I did have to clear this up last time, so I'm just going to say it again. Horror. Horror. Yes. Yes. Again, don't want to make that mistake. Absolutely. Not that I judge. Although we do support sex workers too. Yeah, absolutely. And the usual like trans rights, black lives. Yep. Theoretically, all the things that should be a given. Yes. But if only. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Now, you're bringing something to the table that you enjoy and are passionate about. Uh, could you talk a little bit about it in your own words? Yes, I am. So as a, as a, as a fun coda to, to your last episode, um, I am bringing Scream 2, the, the sequel to the 1996 meta-slasher film. Cool. So I have my prepared list of questions that are yep. designed to delve a bit deeper into that enjoyment of yours, if that's all right. Absolutely. So in question one, imagine I was someone who has recently been awoken from a coma, resurrected from being frozen in ice, or even an inanimate object gifted knowledge of modern times and sentience. So essentially, I know what media is, but I have never personally experienced any. How would you explain Scream 2 without comparing it to something that I wouldn't know? So this is interesting because we are talking about a sequel here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would describe it as um, it is it, it is a follow up to another film that you probably have not seen that you absolutely should because it is a, it is fantastic, and it is a movie about a group of of young adults um who previously survived a horrible horrible incident involving serial killers in their town um who then go off to college and have to deal with it once again um it is very much a what we call a meta slasher um, by which I mean slasher, obviously, horror films involving um, uh, serial killers and people getting picked off one by one and all of those tropes, but is very, very knowledgeable about that fact 
and based in a world where unlike a lot of the horror films that 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 preceded it everybody has seen horror films and is aware of those tropes and it's very good at playing with those elements and also acting as a commentary on the horror genre as a whole um very funny very very brutal um uh very well made one legitimately one of my favorite slasher films ever yeah so on that being like the sequel and everything uh would this have been affected by any real life occurrences of the times it was um yeah i know that was that was talked about a bit this so the main thing with this uh, uh the main movie that was affected in that way was actually the third one. It was Scream Three because, uh, as Holly had mentioned, that took pl- the 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 preparation for it and everything took place uh, uh, as Columbine happened, and so they had to change several elements. That from uh, I'm I'm going to try not to get too trivia y because I can get in the weeds with that, and I know hmm. like this is this is my franchise that I'm really scholarly about. I mean, um, it, go off, Quain, I guess. is That's the, the thing that the youths are saying? Probably, sure. Um, <laughs> so Scream 3, interesting thing about that. Um, I know this is, this is a, a, a podcast about things you haven't seen, and you started because you haven't seen much, but I don't know if you've ever heard of a television show called The Following. Not that I can recall. So it was written by Kevin Williamson, who is the writer of Scream 1 and Scream 2, and was creatively involved in the show for, for the uh, series ever since, and was an executive producer on the last two that, that came out over the last couple of years and stuff. He wrote the following. So in an interesting note, a lot of the elements that he had introduced for Scream 3 that were not appropriate, that the studio decided wasn't appropriate at that time, of uh, uh, this cult of killers that was following um, following the orders of somebody who was in prison um, that, that the studio didn't want to do because they didn't want kids killing kids at a school f- for obvious reasons. Um, he ended up using a lot of that in the following, um, which is an interesting show. I'm not going to say it's good. I haven't seen it since it aired. Um, I wouldn't say that it's good, but it's fascinating a lot of the stuff it does, and it's really well acted. Kevin Bacon uh, is, is the lead in it, and I want to say James Purifoy. I want to say was 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 the guy behind uh, the guy behind Prison who was directing all this stuff. So in Screen Three. It was going to be the original plan was that now that you're familiar with with Scream, having seen it, uh, that uh, Stu, who is apparently killed in the first one, had actually survived and was leading the whole thing behind the scenes. But obviously they had to change that Uh, with Scream 2. There weren't as there weren't as many in terms of outside stuff that that caused changes other than um, 
they so there was a uh, i believe it was for this one um there was a, a an internet leak where the w- w- one of the scripts or or a script had been leaked uh, kevin williams has, has said that it was a dummy draft um something that was leaked specific created specifically to avoid that kind of stuff um but one of those leaked and that resulted in uh, uh some changes that were made that's why they started doing that as a habit of creating fake scripts moving forward in the franchise um and, and the big what... thing that was the big thing that was sort of sort of influenced on it is there's a big elephant in the room here which is that the scream franchise is um was 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 produced and distributed by dimension pictures Mention Pictures is it was the genre arm of Miramax Studios, which was owned by Bob and Harvey Weinstein. Ah, uh, yeah. And this, in addition to all of Harvey's other problems, the Weinstein's are notorious for meddling and fucking with scripts and fucking with with, with movies and taking them, trying to wrest them from from the director's creative control. So there were there were some changes that had to be made that honestly, in this case, I don't think it affected it in scream two that the one that was really more affected was scream three, but, but the Weinstein influence is always a thing. Now that I've babbled about the movie that we aren't covering and also the one that we are. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the point that I was thinking of asking earlier, this wasn't like uh, set up to be a fake script that it's like, we're going to track where leaks could be coming from. Let's give like specific fake scripts to fake like other people and see which one gets leaked. It's so... Like an espionage type of thing. There was... So there was one that was leaked onto the internet and it involved... Um, it, it revealed killer identities and that sort of stuff. Um, it's a little, the details are fuzzy because a lot of claims that have been made after the fact were made like years and years after the fact and memories get fuzzy and that sort of thing. Williamson has claimed that the script that was leaked was a dummy script. I don't know for sure that he's ever, doubled down on that or whether he just made the claim once. Um, but according to all parties involved, yes, there were the original plan for the killers was changed and changed significantly. Um, hmm. I don't remember who the killers were supposed to be in, in, in the leaked version, but honestly, to my mind, the ways spoiler free, but the way the killers work out in Scream Two works pretty fucking brilliantly. Um, they're sort of divisive in some ways among the fan base, but I absolutely adore it, and it makes sense, especially if you view it within the overarching uh, both the film that came before it and the many films that have come since. It fits in perfectly. 
Yeah, like I, I don't even know if that's a real story or if it's like one I'm mixing up with bits and pieces of other things. But it's like I know, for example, the movie Clue or Cluedo or mm-hmm. as it was localized wherever you are, had the multiple different endings for different cinemas. Yep. And I don't know if I'm mixing that up with like script leaks and, you know, just information or product leaks in general. Right. Because it's just so- like okay, there is someone leaking whatever info that we have. Let's put out, like, versions B, C, D, and E, all of which right. are different, and we'll see which one ends up online. No, there's only one version. There's only one version of this film that finally got released, to be clear. Yeah. Um, that, that's why I, I'm wondering. It's like, am I just mixing things up like that? Could be. I mean, it's... it's there were, and I think this this really started, and that's one of the things, is Scream was one of the first films, first really big franchise genre horror films that released in what I would call the internet age. I mean, we're still talking like 97 at this point. So mm-hmm. it, I, it's not internet age as like we like to think of it now. Uh, Hi, millennials and Gen Z. I'm old. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I mean, it was the first point where, like, there was stuff being discussed on BBSs. Um, this is sort of the Buffy era uh, where, where that stuff sort of started to become really prominent. Where most of the horror franchises at this point, uh, the ones that you would recognize, Friday the 13th, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, um, even even Child's Play to a degree, uh, even Hellraiser to a degree, because that franchise, had, I love Hellraiser, but that franchise was in the shits by this point. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they had all kind of died off. And that was one of the big things about Scream and then Scream 2 as well is they are largely and correctly credited with reviving slasher films, um, which was pretty much a dead franchise by the mid-90s. Yeah, it's like you don't see many Westerns these days. No, no, you really don't. Um, there are some, and and the ones that get released are interesting, and they're, they're, they're usually pretty good, but they're kind of a more postmodern Western where they're they're they've got a I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on 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 earlier westerns but they have sort of deeper thematic messages that maybe aren't quite as common in what we think of as like the classic western era um but you know westerns even westerns they come back eventually and they come around for a bit we westerns were dead for a long time and then Dances with Wolves came out in the early 90s. And then we had a spate of new Westerns. Um, I would, again, off on a completely total tangent, but I would not be surprised with the success of uh, Yellowstone, the TV series, if we started to see more Westerns hit theaters. Um, that's sort of the nature of genre f- filmmaking and and television making as a whole is it all tends to go in cycles. Uh, horror is very cyclical. Uh, uh, Western sci-fi 
fantasy, it all tends to sort of go out of vogue for a bit and then and then it comes back strong when 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 it has a reason to. Um honestly for a moment thinking, how the hell does Yogi Bear relate to a Western? But that's Jellystone, not Yellowstone. Oh yes. No, no. I, the I Kevin Costner TV the show, not 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 Hey Boo Boo. Um, hey Boo Boo. <laughs> but anyways, Scream Two. Now that yeah. I'm talking about oh, Kevin yeah. Costner Westerns. Yeah, Waterworld. How is that? No. Oh. Mm. Uh, so question two, hypothetically, our positions are reversed and I'm guessing on your immensely popular and award-winning podcast, you know, he's hoping, uh, <laughs> and I've just answered the previous question with your response verbatim. What stood out to you the most, if you can remember it? Um, well, all right. So I have always been a huge fan of slasher films. Uh, I love, like as a kid, it was Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, when I got more into my like, like teens, I discovered Halloween for this first time, and that was always my number one uh, thing until Scream came around. Um, so that's a big drop, but I think the 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 key there is it, it, it being a slasher that is very smart and 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 knowledgeable. Because look, I I love dumb slashers. I I I adore really stupid stuff like Chopping Mall and um okay. uh, 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 uh the Hatchet series or um uh, let's face it we love Friday the Thirteenth but it is not a smart series um no. I love those dumb ones but if you can do something unique and be really smart and keep your audience guessing and still be fun and not like completely up your own ass the way that, that some of the meta stuff does. That's that, 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 that's catnip to me. Like that is the, that is the perfect horror film for me. So I think, that that knowing twist on the slasher is what would absolutely do it for me. And this does it really, really well. Cool. Uh, I literally just remembered now because you were talking about like the early internet uh, that my, the first website I ever visited was in very late 1998, I think, mm -hmm. 99. And it was Godzilla.com. Because they, oh wow! Because it was for the movie that was being released, the one that oh, no wow. one likes. Because I had a T-shirt that came out of a cereal box promoting the movie. <laughs> it was just the the big guy Godzilla across the top, and then www.godzilla.com. Because I was faced with a computer that had internet access, and I'm like I don't know any websites. Wait a minute! <laughs> wow. I mean, I was I was earlier than that, um, obviously, because um, if nothing else, I was in college before that. In college, had internet stuff, uh, but no, I was. I mean, see, internet was around. I just didn't right. have any access to it. Right, right. The the school that I went to before that uh, couldn't afford a photocopier, so we had everything on mimeograph. 
Oh wow! So yeah, I remember I, Mimeograph. Yeah, that purple goo that gets you high. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then I just know there are people out there listening, and they're just like, "What the hell?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> photocopying basically through purple jelly i mean that's there is a fun convergence for me between stuff that people who are older and like grew up with stuff that people the generation and further out them have no concept of what it is but you get this weird connection with people younger than you because more than likely because they went to schools that didn't have the funds of other schools. So they had the, the, the older, like they hadn't upgraded the mimeograph or, 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 or stuff like that. The, the um, overhead projector. Overhead projector. Yep. All of that. But yeah. So in, uh, I think in my case, it was because they were still newer technology-ish at the time. So right. They couldn't afford it because they were new and expensive. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing? Scream 2. Scream 2. Uh, question 3. We can tell that this is a subject that you care about, but what got you to give it a chance in the first place? I mean, honestly, it was because I, I absolutely fucking adored Scream. Um, I saw Scream. I don't think I saw it in theaters. Um, it came out in 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 December. I want to say of ninety six. Um, and I I didn't see that one in theaters, but I saw it on home. You know, saw it on 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 VHS. Um, and yeah, I remember I was, when that was a thing, kids. Yep. I was instantly obsessed. I loved everything about it. I I loved the um I loved the mystery aspect of it. I uh, obviously the horror and the the slasher aspect and like I everything I said about the meta stuff that stuff is all great, but it was actually it was unlike anything that I had ever seen before in slasher films because Whereas, uh, that's not true. Nightmare on Elm Street does this a little bit. No surprise, Wes Craven and Wes Craven. But it was a film that was clearly more interested in its its potential victims than in its killer. Like, the Friday the 13th movies, the first one... You don't care about anybody except for maybe Annie and maybe Pamela when she shows up at the end. But you find out that, spoiler alert, she's the killer. Spoiler alert for a 43-year-old movie or something like that. But you find out that she's the killer like a minute after you discover her. And then after that, it was all about Jason. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street very quickly, once Craven stopped being involved, became about Freddy. Halloween's always been been about Meyer, Michael Myers. Laurie, too, a little bit, but she's only in the first two. This was a film that uh, Scream really clearly cared about Sydney and Randy and Tatum and... Uh, uh, 
Gale and Dewey and all of these characters. And that was, I didn't think slasher films were interested in doing that at all. And so when the sequel comes out, I was like, you know, I'm there. I'm, I am a hundred percent there. And I very much fell in love with it again, because again, it's, it's, it's interested in these characters that have survived this and going through it again and dealing with how do you react to something like that? Um, and how do you try to move on? And can you trust the people that you're associated with and the people who came together in the first film to deal with this? How have they split apart and what are their relationships like now? Has it, how has it changed in the past year? Uh, and at the same time, it's also still very, very smart about uh, about horror and doing commentary on horror. And this time it's talking about horror sequels as it's creating and even following the rules of the horror sequel, but, but also turning them on their head a little bit. Um, it doesn't hurt that this movie also came up, came out. Uh, Scream came out the year after I got out of college. Um, which in fairness, I only was only there for a year. Um, and then Scream 2 was, was the year after that. So I had taken a film class at that point, and a, a, a class about film criticism. So I was starting to think about movies in that capacity. And so this was came along at the perfect time for me to engage with it and, and see a film that's doing these really interesting things and talking on screen uh, uh, in, in a kind of fourth wall breaking way, but not fourth wall breaking way about everything that's going on in horror and everything that's going on that Wes Craven was not a fan of in horror. Um, and that Kevin Williamson like, uh, didn't like in horror. And it's just the, the, the mystery aspects are just as strong as the first one. Uh, the characters are more interesting because you don't have to spend time introducing uh, the, the big core characters. You already know these characters. Uh, and it does all of this stuff so perfectly for me. Um, so, yeah, in a long roundabout way, that's what got me to try it. And it was great. Yeah, and I mean, as I've said before, sometimes that's just all you need is that little bit of a kick. Absolutely. Yeah, and being a sequel wouldn't take much. Yep. I I tried to get in and stop you before it, but it's just like, uh, don't try to think about the age of things. You'll make yourself sad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it is what it is. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's a 40-something-year-old film. Oh, my, <laughs> my bones, they dust. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you kids today. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Get off my lawn. With <laughs> your ticky talkies. Yeah, you with your Digimons and your GoPros. I don't know. <laughs> oh, two wow. or three completely different eras. Right. <laughs> uh, 
Question four. For some people, a sense of community and like-mindedness are integral to their enjoyment of something. To your knowledge, is there a community around Scream 2 that you're aware of? And if so, what are they like? There is, around the Scream franchise as a whole, there is a very strong community. Um, the The Scream community is the reason we got past three. And frankly, is the reason we got past four. Um, Because Scream 3 was not... Scream 3 was financially successful, but it wasn't beloved like the first two. Um, And Scream 4 was a disappointment financially. It still made money, but it was a major disappointment financially. And then Wes Craven died after it. and uh, not, Not immediately after it. It didn't kill him. But um, I mean, he imagine. died in the, he died some uh, a few years after, and people were like, "Well, Scream's dead," and it was sort of the rediscovering of the franchise that really showed uh, uh, a Paramount that there was a there was an audience there, and and that's sort of what brought Scream Five, and and, and then once it was a hit, Scream Six back to life. So there is. There's a very strong community around it. They have very strong opinions about it. I like to think that the scream the, the scream fan base tends to be a little less toxic than a lot of the other fan bases. Don't get me wrong. It is a fan base for a very very popular slasher film franchise. There are incredibly toxic elements. But this franchise, at least in my experience and what I've seen, because I, I have searched it out uh, uh, to, to sort of see what, what the overall franchise or fan base is like. Um, this franchise, and I think horror in general, as, as, as I get on my, 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 my old Dr. Horror uh, 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 seat for a minute, the 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 horror fr- uh, uh, genre tends to attract a very strong queer audience, and that's not to say that queer people cannot be toxic. Because, oh boy! <laughs> mm. But listen, li- listen, fellow queers, I love you, but um, chill. Um, but I think that the queer community who gathers around horror tends to, tends to bond in a more positive manner in my experience. And the Scream franchise has an exceptionally devoted queer fan base. And again, caveats, not saying that the non-queer fans of, of, of Scream are not great. They generally are. Um, but in my experience, the, the, the Scream fan base tends to be very passionate and doesn't lose their shit at each other. The way that, for example, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan base does. Or uh, even the Friday the 13th, uh, 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 a lot of these 
bigger horror franchises do. Um, we're passionate and we like talking about our theories and, oh, what if X character has really been alive this whole time and et cetera. And there are times that I do have to mute the fan base. And that is when I, when we're in the buildup to a new film, because if there's one thing they're bad at, it's not being subtle about spoilers or uber dissecting every goddamn trailer, every poster, every movie still, every featurette, every clip, everything that comes out, they're going to dissect that stuff and they're going to try to figure out what's going on in the film for it. And I don't, that, that's something that I want to engage with that promotional media, but I don't want it to spoil the movie for me. So that's sort of my most frustrating part of the, this fan base. Um, yeah, it's like as someone who dislikes spoilers for the, it's like it does ruin the experience a bit for me because I'm trying to like think of where it's going to get placed in, you know, the whole thing rather mm-hmm. than just enjoying the ride. That is something that annoys me about, like, for example, the people who enjoy Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Literally any single thing gets absolutely dissected to shit. It's, it's like, really come yeah. on, guys, just I I know you're excited. Mm-hmm. How about you be excited privately? And right. Quietly and away from people. Or in places that in places that are explicitly spoiler space places. Yes, with um, proper tagging and filtering and things. Exactly. Like for example, there is uh, uh one of one of one of my favorite fr- uh, podcasts that is not this one, uh, besides this one, I should say, uh, oh. uh, Horror Queers, is, um, I mean, the name is on the tin on what it's about. Um, it, great stuff. And they have a Facebook group, but they have explicitly banned screen spoilers. And they have created a separate screen, uh, screen spoiler sub group within facebook go to town there folks it's perfect but like or or at least do a tag that people like if you're on twitter do a tag that people can mute like scream spoilers or something like that don't like go into in-depth analysis because especially for this franchise this franchise more than any other slasher franchise i think is built on mystery. Like it's, it, it, it's entirely built on the concept of who's behind, because ghost faces is, is, is it can be freaking anybody. Um, and so that's always a big part of these films. And so if people are analyzing, well, so you've already seen scream. So I will use the, the, the first one. So I will use this as an example. Imagine if 1996, now these spoilers weren't running rampant like this in 1996, but imagine the trailers come out and people say, oh, look, Billy and Stu are the only people who are wearing black shoes of this style throughout the movie. 
Yeah, that's, yeah, just leave well enough alone. Right? Let people enjoy I realize I just spoiled something. Well, I mean, <laughs> theoretically, listeners out there, if you came into this not like looking for no spoilers about a movie that I was going to review having watched right. it. This is true. This is thank, absolutely true. Thank you for true. listening. But yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um but like that kind of stuff starts to uh, is the kind of stuff that drives me nuts because if uh, I should say I have rewatched every screen film multiple times including the one that came out literally 2 months ago. Um and the rewatch value is one of the great things about it. I don't think you need to be, I don't think you need to not know who the killers are to enjoy the movies because I think they're, they're great movies on their own. Um, but especially that first time, that is a big part of the fun. It's like going through wondering, okay, you, you, you've got your, you've got your, your detective glasses on and you're like, okay, this person seemed really upset about that particular moment or, 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 um, uh, 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 this person is acting kind of suspicious at this point, but is that too obvious? Is that they're throwing them out as a red herring and, oh, where was this person when the kill happened? Like, that kind of stuff is a big part of the fun for those movies for me. And I know they are for a lot of people. So that is honestly the main thing that is frustrating to me with the, with, with the community. But in general, I think they're, they are a pretty good community as a whole outside of that. If you can, if you can mute the right hashtags. Yeah. On, uh, a social media that lets you not like Twitter. It's, right, uh, yeah. right. Yes, <laughs> exactly. How's that going? Well, I hope. <laughs> oh, yeah. Twitter's not fucked. Not at all. Uh, completely Hi, easy and fun to be along. Hey, Elon. How you doing? Um, Fight me, coward. <laughs> no hired goons. Just one-on-one, me and you. There you go. Yeah. Winner gets all their emeralds. <laughs> Look, honestly, if you can beat me in a fight, I will give you 100% of all the emeralds I have. There you go. Yeah. You can't ask fairer than that. No. Uh, question five. <laughs> God. Yeah. Now I'm just remembering <laughs> like that. You invited me on this. You know how I'm yeah, going to talk. No. But no, I, I'm just like. I'm, now I'm remembering the Uwe Boll or whatever his name is, Uwe, whatever. Um, Uwe Boll and his, yeah. oh my God. Inviting all of his haters on for a boxing match. and then You know the worst part about that was? Uh, that he faked that he was going to take it easy on them? Yeah, he won. That's the most annoying fucking part about it. And yeah, because because he, he acted like he was going to take it easy and then he unleashed on him but that's the that is the most annoying part about it is that that fucker set all this up and they're like haha i beat you yeah because i'm uh, obviously this is one side of the argument but hearing the low tax account of what happened it's like oh yeah he came out and met everyone before the fight and it's like look 
It's just for entertainment. You you get some shots in, I get some shots in, everyone mm-hmm. laughs and you go home happy. So he started doing, you know, like a 1900s boxer routine, thinking it was going to be a joke. And got his absolute shit kicked in on the first punch. Yep. And it's just like, hey, what the hell? It's like, what? I'm lying to you. Why would you ever believe that? I mean, look, I'm not going to say they should have known better. Like it's not like it's not Ewable's fault because it is his fault. But also, how did they not expect that? This is a man who literally created a film career off of the producer's scheme. Yeah, you got to be able to, like, literacy comprehension should get you half the way. It should. It really should. Yeah. Media literacy. That's what I'm thinking of. Yep. Anyway. Anyway. Scream 2. Scream (laughs) 2. Just a running gag at this point. Um, I think we're both very tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's twenty twenty. Anyway. It's twenty twenty. Jesus Christ! I almost said it's twenty twenty two. It's twenty twenty three. Is anybody not tired? Uh, the billionaires. I think even they're tired. The problem mm. is they get to sleep. Yeah, and they can afford to not be tired. Yeah, for a bit. Scream 2. Scream 2. Question 5. There are many aspects of media that resonate differently with different people. What was your favorite part? So for this movie specifically, I kind of alluded to to it before, but this film uh, takes what Scream does really well and it elevates it because the focus being on the survivor, being on Sydney and, and Gail and Dewey and, and Randy, um, you, it doesn't have to take the time to reintroduce these characters. And like, it, it doesn't do a it, scream. One doesn't do a bad job of that. I think it does a really good job of introducing these characters, but it allows Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox and David Arquette and Jamie Kennedy to now that they've established this character really sort of get more in depth with them and uh, it allows them to do some really interesting things. They're able to bounce off the new cast members in really good ways. Um, And I think it, 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 what really resonates with this movie for me more than the kills, which are great and the, the, the commentary, which is great. And the humor, which is amazing. Um, is it really portrays that idea of, uh, it takes the final girl, which has always been one of my favorite tropes within within not just horror but but within media period but let's be honest in some ways is kind of a problematic trope because it is it, it, it's 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 very puritanistic 
it is, uh, you know, it's the good girl, the girl who didn't have sex or didn't have drugs. You know, it, it's the one who didn't break all of Randy's rules from Scream 1. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, I love that Sydney breaks at least a couple of those rules in Scream 1 and survives. Um, but it, it, it takes that trope and really builds it into a, a, a character that I love Laurie Strode. I love Nancy Tompkin, Thompson. I, 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 I like Annie uh, from Friday the 13th. I love uh, 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 Ripley from the Aliens franchise and every other final girl. But it builds a real character around it and one that Nev Campbell is really able to get into the skin of um, and, and and turn her into a legitimate badass who isn't the warrior woman trope, which has its own problems and isn't the, the, the victimized final girl trope. And it really creates in my mind, one of the best horror characters ever made um and i mean that there there there's there is a reason why this character has become within a a a a uh, a pantheon of beloved final girl characters is standing up there with the Laurie Strodes and the Nancy Nancy Thompsons. Um, she is fucking fantastic and I adore her. Cool. So, so those seven it, things is the one thing that was my favorite part. Yeah. Just the collective experience. Really, yes. Um yeah. Very much so. So Question six, following on from the previous question, what do you think would appeal most to the general public? The kills. I mean, I, I'm... I think that this is a film, in addition to the kills, does what I think Scream does really well in that... It is a crowd pleaser in the very, very, very real way. It is anybody who's watched a lot of horror comedy film, comedy horror films, horror comedies, whatever you want to call them. Personally, side note, I think comedy horror and horror comedy are two entirely separate genres, but. Yeah, well, it's about. That's a side note. It's like uh, speaking. It's about where you place the emphasis on the syllables. Exactly. Comedy horror is the Frighteners and Ghostbusters. Horror comedy is Evil Dead 2. Now I'm just trying to think which one Patchwork would be classified as. I actually haven't seen Patchwork. Um, Do I have a recommendation for you? I I heard you talk about it last episode. It's definitely one that's interesting to me. Um... And for uh, those who follow me on the Twitch channel, then yes, we did a live, uh, basically live streaming audience thing. I don't, I don't nice. know if anyone turned up for it, but nice. I enjoyed it. 
Um, but anyways, Scream 2 is, isn't quite a horror comedy or a comedy horror. I think it is a straight slasher film, but it contains those, the, it, it ta- uh, contains enough comedy to it and good wit that is very much the crowd pleaser in terms of, of, of slasher films. It's, it's not, it's still, it, it doesn't hold back on its gore, but it's also very winking and, and has a very playful element to it that really was Wes Craven at his best. And mm. I think that's probably what appeals to, to, to most people about it. Yeah, like I'll mention this a bit later, but I, I think I might be starting to notice some directorial styles hmm because that's not a thing i usually see fair uh, yeah no there's definitely there you can tell there there are hallmarks of of west craven's work whether you're talking about uh nightmare on elm street or the scream franchise or people under the stairs which is a another great movie of his or shocker which is not a great movie of his, but still has some of those elements. Um, uh, uh, Last House on the Left is a strong divergence from for him, um, just because that was uh, the first the first feature film that he had ever made. The first, let me rephrase that, the first non adult feature film that he ever made. And adult um, in terms of uh, pornographic, yeah, not like oh, th- this is rated MA fifteen yes. plus. No, no, rated X film. A lot of people in this in the in the late seventies um, who were coming out coming into like independent, particularly genre filmmaking, got their start making X rated films, um, not ones that you can probably ever find today. Um, because, well, the state of porn in the 70s and the, 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 the legality of it at the time. Um, but that was kind of where a lot, not a lot, not all of them, obviously. There was New Hollywood Movement created a lot of the Peter Fondas and the, the Dennis Hoppers and people like that. But there was a not insignificant amount of people who came out of a uh, uh, who kind of got their start making adult films because it was a way to get experience behind the camera and just knowledge of what to do because it was either that or it was come to Los Angeles and do film school. And then one of those is cheaper. A bit of a risk. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, coming out as in like being noticed because I doubt the other way would have been quite as good. Yeah, not so. Uh, yeah, a little less good. Yeah. Little less good. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so, question seven: Say that I do end up enjoying this because of your excellent recommendation. What would be your number one follow-up? Doesn't Every single have to be a sequel or anything, but where would I turn to if I wanted more of the same? I mean, I'm going to start by saying every other film in the franchise. Fair. Um, Scream Three is the worst of the franchise. I will say that. 
It is the only one I have actually seen parts of. Yes, now. I remember. But you don't remember much of it, right? Oh, God, no. I remember. Yeah. So here's the thing about Scream 3. It is, plot-wise, it is very compromised. And it is more, it leans more into the horror, it leans more into the comedy than any of the other films. Um, but it is also a fascinating, first of all, the, the, the core characters are still doing just as good work and they are a through line that you can, you can follow through. There are some interesting innovations. There are some stuff that doesn't work. Mother at the window. Um, Which is the only part I can remember. It's not a good scene. It's really not. It, it's so out of place with everything else. And Patrick Dempsey is playing this cop who is the sort of romantic league, but also possibly suspect. I like you're, you're supposed to be suspicious about him. And he has some of the worst dialogue in the history of the franchise. Um, I don't think it's Dempsey's fault. I think it's just bad dialogue. Um, but, and there's a couple of comedy stuff that doesn't work. There's, there, there's a Jay and Silent Bob cameo, and I don't mean Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. I mean Jay and Silent Bob cameo that just is out of nowhere and just doesn't work. Um, but the satirical parts of it about the business of movie making and um, uh, the, the, there is a, there's a cameo from a well-known, well-beloved sci-fi actor that is just to die for. Uh, Parker Posey is great. She's playing, she's playing an actress in the production for Stab 3. Um, and just 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 everything everything about that stuff is good and also in retrospect which makes it especially weird because it is a dimension films movie it is kind of a me too movie before me too was a thing huh You'll see, if you ever watch it, you'll see. Um, but it is the worst of the franchise. To me, it's still, it's still, it's still a good slasher. It's still a good horror movie. But it's by far the weakest of the franchise. Scream 4 I love. And then 5 and 6 have taken it to a whole new level. To the point that 6 is my third favorite of the entire franchise. Behind Scream 2 and Scream. So... I strongly recommend watching the, the the whole rest of the franchise. Even if you don't love Scream 3, it's like a fucking, I don't know. It's, it, it's two hours of your time. Like it's in, And it's useful to know it going into the next ones. Beyond that, meta, meta slasher films in general. Um, there are some really good ones out there. Friday the 13th, I've been bagging on it a little bit. Say. So, while still saying I do like the franchise, it's just a really dumb franchise. But uh, a Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, is a very meta film. Um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 6, basically, is a very... 
Nightmare on Elm Street or uh, Wes Craven's new Nightmare is Scream before there was Scream. Um, and it, it has literally uh, uh, Heather Langenkamp playing herself, a fictionalized version of herself, which is fantastic. Uh, other movie, Cabin in the Woods, I think, is a very smart, very meta approach to that genre of of filmmaking, the Cabin in the Woods film that people usually think of Evil Dead when they think of it. Um, when mentioning Pat Cabin in the Woods, I have to give the obligatory fuck Joss Whedon because he was he because, was involved yeah. in that one as a writer. Um, but 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 it is again one of my favorite horror films. Uh, so the, that's a good sampling. And then there were a bunch of of Scream kicked off an entirely new genre of, or era in slashers, and they were very self aware slashers. A lot of them aren't good from the late nineties because they were very clearly trying to cash in on Scream. There are a couple that I do recommend. Um, not the second, and certainly not the third. But the first I know what you did last summer is dumb as a box of rocks, but a lot of fun. Um, and it has one of the better chase sequences in a slasher film I've ever seen. Um, the first urban legend is also, again, a really stupid movie, but really fun. Um trying to think if there are any other good ones from there are other good ones from that era but those are the two that always immediately come to mind yeah yeah, there's like like i watched movies uh, the midnight club i think it is recently oh you know i didn't end up seeing that but i kept meaning to and it's like oh man it's good that like some older actresses are still getting work yes because langenkamp's in that right oh yeah and it's interesting because Heather Langenkamp has, uh, she doesn't act on screen. Like, she unfortunately never, she's done a lot of other stuff, to be clear. Um, but she never quite escaped being, being Nancy. Mm. But since then, she has become a heavyweight in 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 makeup effects. Um, her husband is an Oscar-winning makeup effects uh, guy. Um, they did makeup work for like Cabin in the Woods, uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake from Zack Snyder, um, a bunch of other stuff. I don't know if she's a if she is um, has gotten the same level of award makeup that, that like she has or, uh, or her husband has, but they have done a whole bunch of, uh, of, of behind the scenes work, uh, which is great to see because she is someone that legitimately loves them. Let me, she's not a fan of horror in terms of, watching it but she loves working within the horror genre and she appreciates the genre even if she doesn't like scary movies herself 
Yeah, and so it's been great to see. Exactly. And she understands it really well. Uh, She even, she executive produced if uh, there is a wonderful, truly wonderful documentary um, uh, called Never Sleep Again that goes through the entire Elm Street franchise. Extensively. It's like a four-hour documentary. And she was an executive producer and narrates it. Um, she is somebody who, very much like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, and, and even Nev Campbell and well, and, and, and Nev is kind of, she likes it. She doesn't get as embedded in it as, as, as some of the other people. But they're people who very much appreciate the franchise, even though all of them have said, I don't like watching scary movies. They understand that that this the there is a legitimate art to this honestly shit on genre. Um and and they know that there is no fan more passionate, good and bad than a horror fan. There's a reason why when Jamie Lee Curtis went up to accept her Oscar this year, she thanked, she made sure to at least reference genre fans. I mean, it would be kind of hard not to, really. Yeah, but I mean, possible, a lot of people obviously. have. Yeah. A lot of people have. And once you, once, once you've got that Oscar, which by the way, how the fuck did it take this long for, for Jamie Lee Curtis to get a goddamn Oscar? But that's a rant for another time. A um, lot of people, when they finally get the when they finally get that quote unquote mainstream recognition, suddenly don't want to talk about their horses. And in some cases, I don't blame. Them. I do not blame Renee Zellweger for the fact that she doesn't want to talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre: of The Next Generation. Or Matthew McConaughey. You know, I don't... I, I, I get why Jennifer Aniston isn't... kind of distances herself from Leprechaun. Don't get me wrong. Leprechaun, while it's not a good movie, is a very fun movie. <laughs> yep. But I get why they want to move away from that stuff because... Uh, mainstream media doesn't like horror and respected me if you if for the longest time and that's kind of breaking now a little bit but for the longest time if you wanted to be a quote-unquote respected actress or actor you did not do horror and so it would have been really easy for someone like like jamie lee curtis to just not mention it on the stage. And it's really admirable that she did. So Anyway. A, a little bit weird for me then, because it's like, you know, you got to respect your, like where you came from. You do. Absolutely. Part, it, it's part of your DNA, basically. Absolutely. But so the reason I think it would have been easy for her is because 
horror fans as a uh, uh, as a fan base i think we're used to not getting that acknowledgement when things happen uh, like tony collette doesn't get nominated for for anything for hereditary or um uh all that kind of stuff people who are doing legitimate some of the best acting work of that year are not getting the awards recognition that they should. Or, like, it's not even about awards, because awards are, for creative endeavors, is a whole conversation in itself, right? Um, Even if it's, like, you know, not mainstream audiences and, like, oh, you do horror? You're a horror fan? That kind of stuff. We are so conditioned to, like, not being acknowledged that if she had no i'm not saying that going up there and like shitting on horror but if she had gone up there and just you know i like to thank this person and that person and this person and that person and just leave it there and just neglected to say anything i think a lot of people would have been like oh well she didn't have much time to do it you know you you'd come up with reasons why it wasn't the case all of which may have been legitimate but the fact that she took the time out during the Oscars when you're supposed to have a timeline, that's a huge, that's, that, that's a lot. Yeah. I, I think this might be some of like my father's upbringing for me where it's just like, no, it's like integrity, respect, you know, mm-hmm. always honor where you came from. You like, you go out and represent someone every time you leave the house, you know, absolutely. That that's why I'm just like, well, why wouldn't you? I, I, and absolutely. And if you can, and when they do, it's great. Um, yeah. That's why it's just like, huh, that's weird that some people don't, because of course you should. But I get it because, like, when, especially when you are a, a when you are in an industry that is as cutthroat and like honestly all you need is one bad movie and you're done in some cases um if if you if you want to keep having a successful there there's very much been the perception for many many years and again that's breaking it's been the perception that if you want to be a successful actor and not get typecast into particular roles and be stuck doing B movies where you're going to be in shittier, working in shittier conditions and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for the rest of your life, you better leave that shit behind. And that's understandable to me why they, why, why somebody would want to move away from it. Again, that's changing and it's great. Yeah, and um, like I, I personally understand that my viewpoint on it is severely of, of the AST variety of things because it's like, you know, strict rules and, you know, yeah. morals and it, yeah. But there are no indications for it, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before the next question, just checking the time, uh, I think we should have every, everyone's favorite part of the show, a word from the sponsors. Yay, sponsors! 
Thank you, sponsors. Look, every time, just better than the last, I swear. I've bought seven. Hmm. Hopefully not the Australian Army or Casino. <laughs> no, 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 that, no, no. That has happened. <laughs> not, not someone buying them, but... Right. Yeah, the ads are uh, selective. <laughs> wow. Well, it, it's either that or the ads that are just like, oh, when you're looking to sell your diamond collection, why not consider our luxury yachts? <laughs> it's like, Fantastic. I think you might have mistaken the audience. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, on your next honeymoon cruise, because we know that you're having several... Uh, um, where was it? Question eight. Sometimes yes. our engagement with a piece of media comes from a position of relativity. Did you have a character that you related to? And if so, what drew you to them? So, uh, I'd like to say I relate to Sydney. I don't. Um, she's my favorite character in the franchise, but she is not the character that I relate to the most. Um, Honestly, the character I relate to the most, you would, you might think it's Randy. It's not. It's Dewey. For a lot of reasons. One, he's super, super awkward. He always means really well. Uh, He always ends up surrounded by a group of people who are younger than him. Um, I have apologized for that. <laughs> I can only do so much. Um, and he's just like, it has been said more than once. This is this is not necessarily related to me. This is me just fanboying out over Dewey a little bit. But it, I am not the first person to say this, but it doesn't make it less true. Um, uh, uh Sydney is the the soul of the franchise. Um, Dewey is very much the heart of this franchise, and very much the um, the emotional core in really unexpected ways. Uh, and he is he is probably the character that I instantly connected with. Because I was first time that I saw Scream and then Scream 2, I was out of college. I was a little bit older. Very much fits within within that sort of thing. I've never been a cop. But um, uh, I, I, I've definitely always had kind of that big brother kind of, kind of feel. So that was entirely the character that I connected with. Now, obviously, not looking to get too personal or anything, but are you a sibling? I am. I actually am a middle sibling. Mm. Uh, I am, and I don't mind. I don't mind talking about that stuff. I just, uh, in, I have... in the case of, you know, you're not looking to dox anyone or anything like that. No, no, not at all. I have an older brother and a younger sister. So here's the fun parts of this. Older brother, three years older. Younger sister, Three years younger. Brother and sister have the same birthday. Huh. Right? Yeah. But I mean And you'd think it was 
you'd think that there 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 was there could be a joke made there about 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 um um uh, uh, uh parents and when when i'm not going to continue that that thought but you get the idea but here's the added yeah, twist save save your brain yeah here's the added twist my brother and i are adopted so it's not any kind of that sort of thing huh it just happened to work out that way yeah so you've you've had the the big brother experience basically absolutely yeah so whereas for myself i'm a middle and first child sim- simultaneously because my older sister is technically a half sister from another marriage oh okay fair enough i uh, actually i I have a half brother who is younger as well. Yeah, and then I have a full brother. But yeah, for my mum, I was the second child. For my dad, I was the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Scream two. Scream two. Uh, gets me every time now. <laughs> it's just on some. Are we longer podcast. than the last time yet? Uh, I don't remember. I I have my iPhone here. I'm going to look up the show and see how long the last one was. <laughs> Go ahead and ask the next question. I, I'm just thinking it's like on some like random episode of the final show films, you're just going to drop a scream two on me and I'm just going to lose it. <laughs> Let's see. How long was, how long was the, uh, the night house? Um, uh, For those who don't nope, know, we're not there. Final Show Films there. actual play podcast. It's <laughs> decent. Get into it. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so we would have to be talking for another fifteen minutes to go longer than the Night House. Oh, jeez, I don't know if I've got that in me. <laughs> Scream two. Scream two. Uh, question nine. A lot of these yep. types of interviews rely on the question of what would you bring with you to a desert island in order to get to know a person. But mm-hmm. That's not this show. What we ask instead is to picture this scenario. You're on a deserted island with no hope of rescue, but food, water, shelter, and everything like that has been taken care of so that you won't succumb before your natural time. You've also been provided with a single piece of media and the means to engage with it, and for you it is Scream 2. How frequently do you utilize it, and how long would it take for you to be sick of it? Probably, so I would watch it... I'm going to say every couple of months. That probably fits. Um, because as it is right now, uh, I watched it to refresh myself for, for, for this. And I had last watched it last year sometime. Um, and... Uh, that felt like a good amount of time but the only reason like the reason that it's delayed out that much is because i watch freaking everything so i don't have time to do a lot of rewatches um if i only had it it would probably be every couple of months and I don't know. I feel like I would get sick of this one 
probably even though this is my favorite in the franchise i think i would get sick of this one a little bit quicker than like five or six um because in 1997 easter eggs were less of a thing there were so there was also there was simply less history of the franchise for it to build on Mm. um so uh, like with with granted, I've only seen five and six. Like maybe I've seen five three times and six twice. Um, but I am constantly finding new stuff in them. Um, so there wouldn't be that level of thing. However, like I said, I don't think that this franchise or or this film especially, um, or Scream the first one. Uh, are hurt they have a lot of rewatch value because like i can watch it and just sit back turn my brain off and enjoy the story and the visceral horror elements and laugh at the comedy and stuff or i can turn my analytical brain on and look at how the choices that like Nev Campbell and and the rest of the cast are making, or the directorial choices that Wes Craven is doing, um, and really sort of some of the masterful ways that he position he he positions the camera and. Uh, uh, sets up some of the effects stuff. And there is a scene that takes place in this film. No spoilers. But this this film, because I just now realize I never quite described what the plot of this one is. They have moved too busy talking about um, uh, Waterworld and Oscars. Exactly. So the plot of this one, just a really quick summarize in a way that's relevant to what I'm about to say. Um, the survivors of the Woodsboro massacre have are are off to college, or the ones who were the ones who were high schoolers are off to college. Um, and they they've they they're 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 a ways away from woodsboro uh it's never really clear it's it's clearly somewhere still in california but they're a little bit a bit little ways away at least um how how big can california really be come on yeah it's really a small state um but and and so uh the killings start up again and then it's a matter of their target, you know, they're 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 taunting Sydney and all this stuff. So the reason I mention that is there is a chase scene in this movie that involves a an AV class or uh, a block of 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 AV hall. So. Uh, uh, a classroom and then off into sort of sort of side stuff and stuff. And it is 
such masterful blocking and and uh use of sound and small little choices that I can watch that I can turn my brain on and watch that stuff. And when I do that with the screen films, I'm always picking up something new, even if it's the first movie, which I've seen probably 30 times at this point in my life. Uh, there's always something new that I'm picking up in terms of, Oh, that's what Craven did there. Or that is that choice that Courtney Cox made in that particular moment. Um, so I would say if I watch it every couple of months, at least, I mean, this might be overshooting it, but I'm thinking upwards of 10 years at least. Ooh. Like, that is the level of rewatchability that this franchise has for me. Yeah, because it's like, as someone who can't re-engage with something too frequently, it's like, ooh, yeah. that's interesting. It's, for me, like, like if, I was, if it was only watching it just for the story, that would get old. I would probably, I, I would make it more frequent uh, or less frequent. I would watch it maybe every six months and maybe five or six years because at that point it's, it, it's, it's long enough time in between that I can sort of space it out like that. But just the, 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 the analytical ways that you can, that I can look at this stuff, uh, particularly this franchise is, is, like I said, I'm always finding something new and interesting in it. Um, so yeah, I can watch a lot. Well, uh, that's all the questions I had. So thank you for indulging me. Of course. And hopefully that's given people a little bit of a deeper insight into your perspective. So yep. now I get to ruin the show by talking for myself because you already had the sponsors. Ha ha, sucked in. Ha ha. So I have a follow-up review from last episode's Enemy of the Show and self-proclaimed murder enthusiast, Holly, and her recommendation of Scream. Is this something you're familiar with? No, i never heard of it before. Oh, weird. <laughs> well. I mean, come on. We, we have to have our fun somewhere. Yes. So, yeah, I think... It's weird because I know, like, I I enjoy horror movies with a comedic element, mm -hmm. but at times it felt like it's like, well, this is starting to get a little bit overplayed. Okay, like, fair. Um, like, obviously, the the killer is just a real person and not a supernatural entity, but it's like, yeah, the slapstick's a little thick at times. Oh, okay. You, know, I can see that. That's. Okay, like it it's was, not going to get better. Well, yeah, but it was just like, oh, this is getting to the edge. No, it's backing off. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's like the nuclear reactor readout. It's like, oh, needling into the red. Oh, we've uh -huh. calmed down. <laughs> yeah, you're... It, that does not... 
there's more of that in Scream 2, I will put it that way. Yeah, but it, like maybe, hopefully, it's uh, it felt like it was clustered. Like, yeah. Rather than, you know, the same amount, but a little bit more sporadic. No, yeah, because it's all really in that end scene, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When I say end scene, I mean yeah. the last like sequence. 40 minutes of the movie or whatever. Yeah. But like kind of starting with like Tatum and moving from there. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, for some people, this might be a, a like a downside. But for me, it was good. Like seeing like with the trope originators type of deal, like being mm-hmm. the... Like as you said, the trendsetter and like the the foundation of this new style and revivification, basically. Yeah. It's like seeing all the little elements, it's like, oh, I know what that is, because mm-hmm. uh, they did it first, and then yeah, like yeah, other people sure. have picked up on that. Yep. And yeah, it's just like I, the the one thing that really stuck out was it's like. This would not work today because no one has a phone. And if they do, what the they kid, certainly don't you, answer it. What are you doing with a cellular telephone, Billy? You could do a drinking game with Scream. <laughs> the amount of times they say specifically the phrase cellular telephone. Oh, God, I'm just trying to think of it now. <laughs> But, like, it's 96. Kids didn't have cell phones at that point. Yeah, I know. I was there. (laughs) Funnily enough. That's one thing that, that, fun enough, like, obviously, that's a key component of the franchise, as if that's not clear moving forward. Mm. Um, They start playing with that in interesting ways in, in the later films. And it definitely turns into texting a little bit, but it never feels like kitschy to me. Mm. Like it never feels like, okay, we're trying to do the screen thing, but we're just adapting it to well, how do you do fellow kids kind of, kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, it's like all we, that you see online is people like, I am too afraid to make a phone call or answer the phone, so I will not. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, this, you know, you're blue-balling the killer here. <laughs> but, yeah, I think overall I would give it a, a four out of five. Legit. And, I mean, that's, I think, pretty reasonably fair. That is That is entirely fair. Uh, I think I've got... I think I have the first scream at I do out of tens. Um hmm. I which then I just half down if it's a um if it's something like letterbox where they do five stars. Um yeah, which is I, why I I started doing yeah. five stars cuz it's like well the, you know this is how I work. Oh yeah, no, it's an easy way to do it. I think I have screamed and screamed to both at four and a half. But that's also because, like, this is a thousand percent my jam. Like, these are movies that were fucking practically made for me. So I, I think four out of five is a very, very fair. Yeah. It, 
has also had the side effect of making me a lot more excited to read Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix. Oh, yes. Because that has been on my back burner for a little while. Yes, very much so. Um, yeah, that. oh, that's such a good book. So it is probably my favorite of his books. And that's not a low bar because I also really love uh, We Sold Our Soul, Horror Store, Best Friends Exorcism. Um, I still haven't, re- I still have not read Southern Vamp. Uh, was it the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires? Yes, I yeah. still have not read I brought that. Brought it up one. on Wikipedia just to have a quick look. Um, and his new one is also um, How to Sell a Haunted House mm. is also really good and especially creepy because it's fucking puppets. And a little bit hard to believe because it's about real estate. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's... buying a house in this economy. <laughs> I, okay, I'll legitimately fair. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> no, yeah, I love joke. his books. And that one is Final Girl Support Group, which is the first of his that I read, actually, hmm. is absolutely my favorite. So theoretically, would you put that in the list of what would I do if I wanted more of the same? I kind of would, yes. It is... It is kind of meta, but not. it's not directly meta hmm. in the way that the Scream franchise is, if that, if that makes sense. Like, Scream puts it all out there and there's there there's uh, i don't i have a problem even calling it subtext um it's text like like besides just the let's see how many horror films that we can we can reference in this movie but like the the way that it's critiquing the the genre well it's it it's been within the genre that's not even text subtext to me that's really text super text um yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, Final Girl Support Group doesn't quite do that the same way um, because it is the premise of the film is that, or the the film, the premise of the book is that these are all the survivors of previous slashers who were final girls who then their stories have become incredibly famous and then they made films based off the like it takes almost a true crime aspect to it in that way and these characters are very clearly and there is a there is a a a nancy there is a sydney there is a a a laurie um, so on and so forth. And their names are even references. Like, um, one of them is named Adrienne, which is Adrienne King is the actress who played, I believe, Alice in, 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 in the first Friday the 13th. 
so on and so forth. There is, I, I don't think it's Nave. Um, but, but the, I think there is a Jamie, but, but like that sort of thing. So it's not, it's not the same kind of meta, but it definitely is meta. I think it's a little more straight horror than, than it's not quite as attempting to be funny as Scream, but it's still fantastic, fantastic book. Which I also just learned is being made into a TV show. It is, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, I'm mildly cautious because I looked up the studio. Uh, Anna, Anna Purna Pictures is doing it. Um, made more famous for Sausage Party. That um, is true, but they, they have... are also doing the the TV show of Sausage Party Fruitopia. Uh huh. And, but they also made, uh, what was it, the video game What Remains of Edith Finch? Mm, yes. Which is universal acclaim and generally positive. Yes. No, the, Annapurna's made some bad films. Don't get me wrong. Mm. They've also made some pretty, pretty good stuff. Like, you have hits and misses. Um, it's... Uh, my only concern about the the um uh the uh tv series is having it cancelled after a season because of no writers wanting to get paid i mean you support the support the wga folks yeah but uh no not even that because i think final girl support group would only be a single season unless they tried to expand the single book out to maybe two seasons. Um, Would it work better as a movie, do you think? Probably. Um, But it, if I remember correctly, the, the book ends in a way that could potentially sequelize. But I don't know that Grady Hendrix is interested. So I think it would work better as a single season uh, 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 of television. So that's not so much my concern. My concern is I don't know how well Grady Hendrix's material adapts to the to, to live action. So, mm. And a lot of his stuff has been optioned. But uh, uh, Southern Book Club's Guide has been optioned for film. A horror store has been optioned for, or I'm sorry, Southern Book Club has been optioned for TV. Horror store has been optioned for film. But they made a film out of My Best Friend's Exorcism. And it's not bad. That said, I say it's not bad. Which, if you can't hear the qualification in that, mm. let me spell it out for you. It's also not great. And I'm one of the people I know that likes it more than most. You know, I just thinking of it now, I actually have a recommendation for you that is podcast applicable. Oh? Uh, it's also a podcast, uh, Brimstone Valley Mall. 
Let me get my typing out. Brimstone Valley Mall. It's set in 1999, uh, and Uh there are a group of demons straight from hell. Don't even worry about it. uh, That are like working and like hiding out amongst society, because once the year 2000 hits, they're going to summon every single demon from hell to invade. But their lead summoner, who was also the lead singer of their band, incidentally, has gone missing. So it's dealing with still trying to blend in with human society while solving this mystery and also like dealing with the ramifications of someone going missing on their watch. Nice. Oh, nice. And it's it's not a ridiculous amount of episodes yet. And the episodes are only about half hour long. Perfect. Yeah. Just subscribe to that. Yeah. Um, Kristen DiMercurio is one of the voices, but a bit incidental. And she's one of my favorite, like, fiction uh, podcast people. Nice. But yeah. So I I figure you would like that. And it is relevant to the podcast for any other people who like the horror stuff, because I find it along the same lines and funny. Nice. Yeah. I will definitely be checking that out. You said the thing. (laughs) Yes, I did. They they like it when you point at the sign. Yes, they do. Now, before we wrap up this, the final ever episode of Check This Out for this recording session, and 25th time I've made that joke, uh, please tell the audience where they might find you online and if you have anything to advertise. Uh, Yes, you can find... I am, as I said before, I'm the head editor for 411mania.com. We mostly cover wrestling. Uh, if you are interested in wrestling news, wrestling opinions, uh, uh, live coverage of, of of WWE and AEW and Impact and, and so on and so forth, find it there. We also cover movie news, and I do uh, uh, I do do film reviews there, and we do what we a bunch of us we have a, a, a few reviewers on staff. A lot of whom will really like horror, it must be said. So uh, outside of that, you can find me on uh, uh, on that, that fucking bird app uh, at jthomas411mania. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at that same, at uh, jthomas411mania. Um... I was on Hive, but I haven't logged into that for fucking forever. Um, How much has changed? <laughs> I saw. I just saw that they've added. The, they've updated the beta, and like, if that shit ever, if that, let me tell you, if that app ever gets its shit together, I will be there more often because I like. I like them as a whole. Uh, I'm on Mastodon. Uh, I think it's Aunt J. Thomas for One Mania. At horrorhub dot something, I don't know. Fine, mm. you know what? You know where you can find me. Go to Twitter. My link, uh, my my link tree is in is in my Twitter profile, and you can find me on all the places there, including the 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 letterbox, uh, final show films because you can find me at twitch.com slash final show film when I'm on the actual plays, uh, the Tiki Talks. The books for your face. 
the instant grams. Uh, have you got a MySpace or an Angel Vista account? Any GeoCities oh. you wish to plug? <laughs> I, I, I thankfully do not. That you know. Thankfully, of. do not. At least I hope not. I hope that they have flushed the MySpace profiles from years ago. I think <laughs> I still have a live journal, though. Ooh, there you go. Some, I think I still have that account, at least. There's some sizzle for the fans out there if you want right. the latest and hottest content. I mean, if it's good enough for Gurdjieff or Martin, it's probably not good enough for anybody to write about it because it's not what he does anymore. <laughs> and on that note, I've been Elf. <laughs> And I'm Jeremy. And this has been Check This Out, a podcast of media positivity. And remember, birds of a feather gather no moss. (laughs) 